Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 91 of Zion's Finest. This is actually a two-parter. This is episodes 91 and 92. I am joined by my brothers Ryan Janway and Jeremy from North Carolina. They went down to the Atlanta Regional to stomp around, show show Blade a thing or two, usurp his territory with some trash lists. Just kidding. I, I love these brothers, and they did really, really well. Um, there is no news as of now, nothing that is worth announcing, except for the fact that we are having an amazing uh, Zion's Finest Regional Vassal Tournament. It's going to happen on March 9th. This is what we're doing. Um, JK, uh, actually I shouldn't just say JK. Um, so Jason Bragg came up with this idea. He is actually, he, he was one of the people from North Carolina. He went down to the Atlanta tournament. Came up with this idea of, for players who weren't able to get a regional, or for people who are looking for serious practice, what we should do is have a vassal tournament where in one day, in just like a few compressed hours, we do a regional tournament. And we can obviously get the best players from the world to join this tournament. Um, and what we'll do is we'll start at a certain time that allows people from different time zones to join us. So we can have people from, we can have Noah in Portland, we can have Isaac in England. We'll start at a certain time, we'll play four rounds of Swiss, um, you know, starting for the US people in the morning obviously in the afternoon for the European people. We'll play four rounds of Swiss, and then all the X and ones will make a cut. Then the cut games will be played over the next week or so, and then we'll have like a scheduled final. And some, somehow this idea just morphed into this awesome opportunity to get lots of people involved. So what we did, um, we got this amazing, probably the best alt art card we have ever done. And I do not say that lightly, because my Ahsoka card and my Han card are probably my most favorite um, like in terms of gaming memorabilia, the things, because the Ahsoka was the first thing we got, and I felt so proud about it, but man, oh why the Sabine card is so sweet. So what we're going to be doing is, for people who play in the March 9th tournament, who play all of their games, you can't sign up um, and then drop, you have to play all of your games, then you are going to get this unbelievably cool Sabine alt art card. In addition, I'm going to do something special for people who make the cut, something I'm trying to decide what to do, um, but it'll be awesome. So, the details of this is that you need to be in the Slack channel, okay? Now, if you are, like, the three of you who listen to this podcast who are not in the Slack channel, please, please, please hop in the Slack channel so that you can get information about this. We're, I'm not going to be running it, like, we're not going to be running it on Facebook or anything. Like, we're just going to do it on Slack. JK's figuring out the um, tournament structure in terms of whether he's going to do challenge or challenge or whatever. I don't know how to say it. Um, but the Slack is going to be like where we're posting pairings or we're talking about it. And so you got to get on the Slack channel. Um, and let me think if there are any additional details to worry about with that. It's going to be March 9th. We're going to start in the morning. You should assume that if we're, you're in the United States. There'll be a $5 buy-in. And then it's just going to be like a tournament, right? But it's going to be a Vassal tournament. And also, if you don't know Vassal, this is, it is going to be um, competitive in that People are going to be running all of their best lists, or not all their best lists, but like I'm, I'm probably going to be um, running the eight activation box, and I hope that everyone's running Spectre because if I can't win versus Spectre, like if I'm not doing well, then I won't run the box at Worlds like this. So and I think a lot of people are going to be thinking about things like that. They're going to bring what they think will answer the meta, and if it doesn't, obviously, then we're all just going to end up running Spectre. Just kidding, I'm running Han Rangers if this doesn't work. Um, so that's that's kind of where we're at. In addition, on March 2nd, if you can't make the tournament on March 9th, Micah and Evan on the Slack are going to be running a kind of a dry run tournament on March 2nd. What they're going to do is, I, I'm actually not 100% certain on their, um, their organization, but it's going to be a similar thing. It's going to be a tournament, they're going to have Swiss rounds, and you have to play all of your games in order to 
get the Sabine card. Again, you can't play and drop. If you drop, you should assume you're not going to get a card. And also, don't sign up for this, just like with the intention of getting... I, actually, it's okay if you want to sign up and just get in a few games. It kind of will screw up our, our Swiss rounds because you're going to be giving wins away and all the X and 1s are going to make the cut. So I would encourage people that if you're not going to be able to set aside probably four, probably four and a half, five hours for the tournament then just don't sign up. We're not trying to exclude anybody, but mo the people who are doing this really want it to be a serious, good, competitive tournament as preparation for Worlds. Um, so it'll be rigorous, it'll be awesome. It'll For many of you, it'll be your first time to get absolutely obliterated by DT, and trust me, that's uh, an experience that everyone should look forward to. Um, so again, so there's the March 9th tournament, and that is what will have the cut. On March 2nd, that tournament, the dry run tournament, it's you're, there's not going to be a cut or anything like that. Well, there might be a cut, but if you make the cut in that, um, you're not going to be coming over into the March 9th tournament. The reason I'm kind of uh, vacillating here is because I don't know what Evan and Mike are going to do. But they will have a tournament. You play all your games in that tournament. You will get a Sabine card. Um, so that, and that, that's what's happening. That is the big news. Um, besides that, we are just everyone um, is getting ready for Worlds. Obviously, we are talking on the Worlds channel about arranging living arrangements. Um, so most of us have already figured things out. Um, we're going to be staying at the Renaissance there at the convention. But for those of you who haven't gotten anything figured out, hop onto the Worlds channel so that you can coordinate with everybody else okay that's all i've got so what we're going to do is we're going to do episode 91 it's going to be jeremy and ryan swiss and then episode 92 is going to be their top cut thank you guys so much hello and welcome to episode 91 of zion's finest this is kenny brown and i am joined by my brothers jeremy hello and ryan hey what we're going to be doing is a recap of a recent regional that these brothers went to was it in atlanta it was these brothers uh, had an excellent showing at the Atlanta Regional. Um, we'll be getting into their Swiss report. Before we do, Jeremy is new to the podcast, so maybe, Jeremy, you want to give us a quick introduction? Sure, I'd love to, Kenny. So, um, so yeah, so my name's uh, Jeremy. I am from Raleigh, North Carolina. We have a little enclave of uh, a few folks. Uh, so I think Jason Breggy is also in our play group, was on the podcast a, a few weeks ago. And so I've been playing competitive skirmish for about a year now. Went to uh, the North Carolina Regional uh, last year, got uh, uh, a good wake-up call, um, brought just a uh, kind of janky Mark uh, Hunter's list and uh, went two and two, um, uh, but got that, uh, that competitive, competitive taste and um, went to, uh, to Nova, um, brought Han Rangers, had a much better showing, ended up going four and two, finishing just outside of the top eight at 11th overall, and then, um, and then yeah, then... Uh, went to the Atlanta Regional and uh, finished second overall. Awesome. Have you been playing campaign at all, or do you only do skirmish? Yeah, that's where we started. Uh, so there's a group of uh, three of us uh, that uh, you know knew each other through church, and uh, we started with campaign, did campaign for a few years. I think we started back when uh, Bespin Gambit was still new, and then uh, and then we started the the skirmish side a little later. Awesome. And you introduced yourself as Jeremy, but what would people know you as on the Slack and on the forums? Yes. So I have a pseudonym. Uh, so I'm in, uh, professionally, I'm in privacy and security. So uh, so I have a pseudonym that I use online. Uh, Joe Gamer is uh, what I show up on the Slack channel. There you go. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, maybe what we can do is let's start with your list in terms of the list that you brought to the Atlanta Regional. Ryan, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll jump into my list. Um, this is a uh, kind of a 
outside of the box list. You might have heard of it. Um, it's called Spectre Sale. It's Got pretty em. cool. It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've been practicing it for a while. Um, I haven't uh, been able to find an Imperial list that I love. That's what I'd like to run. But uh, I'm running Spectre Sale. So um, been working on the motivation version for some time. Um, and, you know, the thing that's maybe a little different about this list that I brought is my situation with uh, Pummel. Uh, where I did not bring any copies of Pummel in my list. Um, the conventional wisdom, uh, I guess I'd, you'd say, is that you need Pummel. Um, you want Pummel. You want to get that Pummel off as much as you can. Um, and Pummel's great. It feels good when you can land it. Uh, but, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot. I It was a card that I was never 100% sold on. I knew it was very powerful, but something always just felt a little off to me about the play style around it. Um, and actually what kind of triggered my decision to not bring Pummel to this regional was something I'd heard you guys say on the podcast a few episodes back. Um, when you were talking about weaknesses of Spectre Cell, uh, one of the things you said was that it's predictable. And that really got me thinking about, yeah, I think they might be onto something there. Spectre Cell is kind of predictable. You mentioned um, that the damage there was kind of a damage cap granted it's high but you always know what specter is going to throw out in terms of damage so i started thinking about that how could i keep specter offensively powerful but less predictable and um that was that was what led me to to start looking at no pummels um i think a lot of the predictability comes around expecting the specter player to set up a pummel right i mean that's what that's what most people are trying to do. You use Ezra for Brash. You move him in there. Um, so I thought maybe I could try something different here. The The fun thing about my list is that instead of Pummel, I was able to fit um, four different two-cost cards. So I was able to bring Dying Lunge, Force Surge, uh, Tools for the Job, and Heart of Freedom. Uh, most people aren't able to fit all of those in there with one or two copies of Pummel as well. So some of those cards, you know, Tools for the Job lets me spike damage a little bit. I also run Death Blow. There's another way to spike damage. Um, and then I ran four movement cards as well. Uh, I did Force Rush. I did Heart of Freedom. I did Urgency. And I did Force Push, um, which all of those basically add as an extra plus two movement. Um, which really worked out for me. The way that I, that I kind of played into this list was, um, instead of having pummels, I tried to get more movement so that I could get the rest of my guys attacking sooner. So a lot of times I found like round two, if I had one of these movement cards, it meant that I could get Kanan in to make an attack maybe earlier in the round than he would have been able to without. Uh, some of that movement help. Uh, so, yeah, it was an interesting part. Part of the no pummel thing is I kind of wanted to experiment with it. I wanted to see um, is is the list still good? Turns out, yeah, it's still pretty good even without pummel. Um, the other thought of that is I was kind of looking forward in thinking, okay, if we lose the most icely map and we rotate into Lothal, uh, 
to me, Pummel is not looking great on Uskru and on Lethal. So I kind of want to be thinking about that, um, looking down the road, thinking about worlds and stuff. Um, maybe, you know, maybe you want those extra movement cards uh, because you don't want to be stuck with a Pummel that you can't use, you know? Yeah, so the, the what you're saying is on these bigger maps that are going to be more spread out, it's just harder to capitalize value, especially if people are expecting Pummel, right? If I'm running exactly. Han Rangers, I'm going to spread out my Rangers so that it's very, very tough for you to land a Pummel. Right, and now if that's the case, in order to actually get that Pummel off, you know, what am I having to put into creating that situation? And it, is it too much? You know what I mean? Could I be doing something differently? Um, that would maybe be just as effective or more effective. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that with Moss Eisley being in the rotation, this is a close case. Although w reading your write-up on it and listening to your logic about it, I, I, I think there is a strong bit to be said for the fact that like you can't clear two Rangers with Ezra without Pummel, right? I mean, which is something that's eminently possible otherwise, which is kind uh -huh. of crazy. Mm -hmm. But you are able to get attacks that your opponent might not be planning on you getting, getting damage that your opponent might not be planning on you getting, whereas we're always expecting Pummel. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I do think part of the Pummel question is also about what kind of lists are you going to be facing. I think Pummel is inherently more valuable if you're going up against Vader and Spectre mirror matches all day because you're just going to have more opportunity. To, to play pummel it's going to be easier to get off great point um but if you're facing han rangers or scum hunters all day especially when those if we get the lothal map rotation um yeah that's just another factor that's going to make it that extra layer of complexity to pull off so great point great point awesome all right well uh jeremy let's hear what list you took to the atlanta regional well, unlike Ryan, uh, who was being a little facetious when he said uh, that he was bringing an out-of-the-box list, um, I actually did bring an out-of-the-box list. So um, so my list was uh, Han, Drokata, Leia, MHD, R2, Gideon, 3PO, and Heroic Effort. Sweet. Give us, uh, yeah, give us the idea in terms of you're building the list, because, I mean, that's an out-of-the-box list. I see what you're doing there. Um, but give us uh, some details in terms of why you built the list the way you did, command cards, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so this list was a couple of months in the making um, because uh, having both uh, Jason and Ryan, who are just phenomenal Spectre Cell players in my local play group, um, I've had the opportunity to get uh, just, uh, you know, Ryan may not be uh, running any pummels, but he has certainly pummeled me multiple times uh, with uh, Han Rangers and playing just a different variance of, uh, of Han Rangers. And so, um, so it was after one of those, uh, you know, kind of a kitchen, uh, you know, tabletop gaming sessions that I just, you know, came home, I was really frustrated, I just opened up my binder and just started flipping through and saying, okay, you know, literally looking at every single deployment card in my binder saying, what is in here that could... Um, I could combat Spectre. And when I came to Leia, um, you know, that's really where I, the, the list started was Leia gives you such uh, power to recycle your command cards. She's Thrawn insurance. She uh, lets your other figures hit harder. Um, but, you know, the problem with Leia is that um, you have to expose a figure to have line of sight 
um, on their activation um, so that then Leia can come up and do the battlefield leadership ability. And so um, running it in a box type list with MHD gives you that uh, freedom. You can park a Han out there uh, and expose him with 3PO at his back um, and MHD there for Miracle Worker, and you don't mind if they shoot at Han. Um, and then, you know, Leia's hidden in the back of the box and she can come up and, and uh, do battlefield leadership on the next turn. Um, furthermore, against uh, Spectre, they're going to be in your face anyways, so you don't have to worry about setting up those uh, more complicated lines of sight because you know you're going to have uh, you know at least three figures in melee range uh, before too long. And it's awesome because Spectre has to close, right, in order to do the things they've got to do, which with Han and Dracotta being able... So like the whole premise of the box versus Spectre is that you, like most lists, right, like you need... Unlike most lists with like long range lists, you want Spectre to close on the box because as people are closing in on the box, it gives you more chances. I mean, Han's going to get a double tap. Jakarta is going to be able to do a hit and a blast, collateral damage, shrapnel, demolish, right? Like and push a ton of damage out. And now putting land to the mix, you've got even more, right? Like if Jakarta is able to double tap, he can blast two twice. He can shrapnel twice. I mean, there's just a lot of things that Leia adds in terms of the math as Spectre is closing in on the box. Yep, th th that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why people always shy away from Leia, I think, is the the eight health for uh, eight cost. Um, but having played her all day long, um, uh, you know, against Atlanta, you know, in Atlanta, and then, you know, practicing, practicing with her a bunch uh, since then, She's actually fairly sturdy. It's really hard for um, any of the Spectres to one-shot her without ha without using the Spectre uh, uh, card double tap um, or, you know, without having something like a Force Surge or a Tools for the Job to really push that extra damage through. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Um, did, so let's talk about command cards. Obviously, like, what was different from your command cards from, the like, the normal box? You've got Lamb, Tools, Miracle Worker, Second Chance... Were there any, like, what were there any cards you included specifically for Leia for your version of it? What were you thinking? Yeah, so, um, so I did have the kind of standard uh, toolbox for for the box. Uh, you know, Lamb, Miracle Worker, Tools, uh, Heart of Freedom, Second Chance, Arcing Shot for Dracada, uh, Intelligence League on Leia was money all day long, and she has that recover stat line. Remember, she can surge for recover. Um, so you know, you don't mind. Leia taking a few damage because then she can just attack and recover that damage. And then the rest of the, the command uh, list was negation, stealth tactics, positioning advantage, hour of, hour of need, uh, take initiative, planning, uh, element of surprise, and then um, a Leia-specific card um, that you actually recommended that was money all day long was advanced warning. Yeah, it's a really, really cool card. because Tell us what advanced warning does, Jeremy. Yeah, so... Uh, it's a card, I, when you recommended it to me, I had to go look it up. Um, and so it's a leader card that gives uh, you and an adjacent figure one movement point, which is really uh, nice for setting up those Leia shots. Yeah, it's awesome because with Leia, what you can do is you can go with Han, you know, position him in a way that they don't think that they're going to be able to get a end of round shot. And then you can use Leia to move Han into a position where you can one double tap, and then he's still going to get an end of round attack. It's, it's a great card. I, I started, I played a lover's box a while ago and it's interesting. Like when you've only got Han as your gun, the choices that you have to make, and this is, I mean, you're thinking about 
without Dracotta, I just don't think you've got enough damage to 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 stand up in the current meta. But now with Han, Dracotta, and Leia, that's really like it's it's going to give your opponent a lot of interesting choices. So do you have anything else on the on the list, Jeremy, or do we want to go into Swiss? Uh, yeah, we can go right into Swiss. Sweet. So what we'll do is let's just do quick summaries of um, our Swiss rounds. We'll just go round one for both of you, and then round two, round three, all the way up to the cut. We'll spend a little bit more time on the final game, and then we'll give um, or I'll solicit some general comments from you guys regarding the meta, what we're doing to prep for Worlds. So, Ryan, let's start with you. Round one. Easy. I had a buy. Awesome. Well done. He, he cowered his opponents in two submissions. I was sweating bullets the whole time. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Jeremy, you're round one. Which meant that uh, that Ryan got an advanced look at the uh, the Leia box, which was uh, I think key for uh, our second round matchup. It's true. I did spend uh, most of round one watching. Uh, it was Jeremy and uh, Jason uh, Breggy playing uh, against each other, so I was getting to watch Spectre versus uh, this box, which was first time I'd seen it. It was very interesting. That's awesome. So Jeremy, tell us how your round one went. Yeah, so uh, so Jason had the advantage of um, having played against the Leia box twice. He was my guinea pig uh, for testing it out, and um, I he was uh, a little bit uh, perplexed at how to approach it. Um, so the map was uh, Uskru uh, droids, the the priority message, and um, he hung back uh, quite a bit, um, just waiting for that uh, you know kind of uh, you know the initiative swing to come his way. And, uh, you know, he did finally bomb in, uh, but, you know, at that point I was running out of people to focus. I mean, I was focusing MHD and, you know, all this, uh, uh, you know, just being able to hang back. And so, um, you know, we ended up trading a lot of shots around my terminal. I had the, uh, the top side, um, the side without the column. Um, so I boxed kind of around my terminal. Uh, we ended up trading a lot of shots. Um, he, uh, parked Sabine in kind of the, uh, the little Han spot that, uh, the Han loves, to set in um, just on the other side of the fountain. And um, and then Keenan was at uh, her back. And then uh, I think Ezra ran in there uh, as well. And so Dracotta just, uh, she, she just uh, blasted uh, a bunch, got to do a bunch of demolishes. And, uh, you know, the, the final score was uh, 32 to 28. Um, so it was still relatively close, um, which is, uh, I think... You know, you're going to see a relative theme uh, that, uh, you know, even when you get uh, an early advantage on Spectre, they're just so deep. The, their bench is so deep. It's just hard to uh, to really blow them out of the water. Yeah, they're never totally out of the game. What figures did you lose and what figures did you kill? And did you cycle anything with Leia? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, all day long, I mean, Leia uh, cycles uh, good cards. So I did not write down uh, which cards I cycled, which games, but... Um, you know, cycling miracle worker, second chance, uh, tools for the job. Those are always top of, uh, you know, the priority list if they're setting there. Um, but even doing something, uh, you know, a, a element of surprise or a, uh, an intelligence leak, I forget which game it was in, but one time, uh, Leia attacked with, a uh, element of surprise and then, uh, commanded Han to shoot. And then, um, uh, during uh, Leia's attack, she cycles Element of Surprise as the only command card I had in my uh, my graveyard. And um, during Han's attack, I had him do uh, officer's training to cycle the uh, uh, just to, just to cycle officer's training, uh, which drew me at Element of Surprise. So, oh my um, gosh, that's so awesome! 
Really yeah, cool. and and when you're shooting people that aren't rolling defensive dice, Leia can do some sneaky damage. She can hit for you know five or six uh, damage, really, really punch it in. That's awesome, awesome. So um, you ha- you won round one, round two. Ryan, who is your opponent round two? Uh, yeah, Jeremy, did we play round two or round three? We played round two. Round two. Okay, so this was uh, the first first match of my specter list against Jeremy's box. Um, so uh, maybe I'll set it up and then let Jeremy uh, give some of the details. We were on uh, Tarkin Labs. We were playing the experimental weapons uh, mission. Uh, I believe Jeremy started with initiative and took the treehouse side. Um, and on this mission, uh, my my <clears throat> deployment is I'm always trying to come aggressively out of my deployment zone, basically rushing into the terminal uh, hallway. I take that deployment where I can uh, use a chopper ram or a zeb motivation to bump Ezra up a little bit and have Ezra opening my opponent's terminal door late in the round and possibly trigger a specter attack over there I want to, uh, if, if I want to. So um, that was kind of my setup on this mission. Yeah, so uh, this mission was, uh, you know, it could be summarized as Ryan had all the best cards at all the right times. Um, so it was Tarkin Weapons, so um, I... I am on the treehouse side. I open uh, my lower door early um, to run out uh, Han and Dracada, both to pick up weapons. So Han picked up a red weapon. Dracada picked up a green weapon. And um, I was setting on, um, it was stealth tactics. Uh, I think there was another survival card in there, um, either second chance or miracle worker. And then, um, uh, and so... I ran Han out there, grabbed a weapon, um, and then ran Leia out there to do the battlefield leadership. And uh, it was just a bloodbath in the middle. Um, And so I have in my notes that by the end of the round, um, Zeb was dead and uh, Kanan had seven damage on him. Yeah, that was that was in round one, right? That was. Yep. Yeah, because you had brought Leia out towards the middle so that she could get that shot. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just a bloodbath in there. And uh, one thing that uh, that Ryan will uh, will not brag about, but uh, I will, having played, uh, so uh, spoiler alert, um, out of the seven matches that I played in Atlanta, um, six of them were against Spectre Cell. So, um, you know, I got to see a wide variety of opponents playing Spectre Cell. And uh, one of the things that Ryan does in particularly well is... Um, is very good at using the tools the Spectre Cell gives you to position. So, um, you know, like the first shot I got on Keenan, and then he brought Zeb up to a body block for Keenan. Um, but then um, I think that was also the uh, the time that uh, he actually used Chopper's activation to push someone out of the way to create a little hole for, um, I think it was Sabine, um, for the Spectre Cell tap to uh, take advantage of a shot um, where Kanan was blocking line of sight for Han. So, um, you know, uh, he actually got off a round one shot on Han that had dealt, I think, five damage. Um, you know, using that little uh, push from Chopper to create that little uh, little spot for, uh, for Sabine to shoot from safely. Yeah, I, I do think that um, given that you only have six figures in that list, you really have to make the most out of all of them. And that's one of my favorite things is trying to uh, maximize Chopper's value because I, I think 
sometimes people just look at him as, oh, he's my terminal sitter and I'm going to get a shock off um, when the opponent throws somebody at the terminal. But Chopper's so much more than that, you know? Uh, that ram is, is such a great ability um, for repositioning your figures. And uh, once you can get Chopper in the, in the mix, his attack is pretty solid as well. So, yeah, I, I like... Uh, I like trying to make Chopper uh, part of the part of the fight, and especially once I throw Chopper out there, if my opponent has to shoot a Chopper, that's a win for me um, because that's three points, and they might not get him in one shot. That's awesome. So, does either of you guys have any comments on your round two? Or should we go on to round three? Uh, yeah. So, uh, just to conclude it, um, you know, so I start out really strong. Um, Kill Zeb, uh, get a lot of damage on Keenan. Uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, in Ryan's first four or five cards, he drew uh, Force Surge, uh, Take Initiative, Dying Lunge, and On the Lamb. Um, so the game really turned when um, Dracata rolled a uh, focused Dracata with a green weapon, rolled nine before Demolish um, on uh, Ezra, and then he had On the Lamb. So uh, he was able to. Yeah, he was able to keep Ezra safe. Uh, Dracata died to the uh, the Spectre double tap, and uh, without having done anything except uh, draw out on the lamb, so it's hard to win when uh, when Dracata does not contribute to the fight. Yeah, and in that match, I will say um, you guys kind of mentioned it earlier about Jeremy's list. It's such a challenging uh, sequence you have to go through when you're trying to attack this list because having a little bit of experience playing against. Uh, box type lists i feel like you have to eliminate mhd as quickly as possible if you don't and you start attacking everybody else you run the risk of mhd just erasing all your hard work um that you've done to those other figures so so that's my approach is i've i'm looking for that way that i can dive in and get mhd out of there as quickly as possible but then once mhd is gone it's still a difficult choice because now you've got Han and Dracata, probably healthy, and Leia sitting over there. Um, and so this is, I think this is just part of the genius of the list is that there's never really a time where you're wanting to, to go after Leia. Um, because once MHD is gone, well, now you've got Dracata and Han, how can I really afford to go throw an attack at Leia, which she might dodge, um, when I really need to start working on the heavy hitters, right? So it it's really interesting that Leia's got enough of a uh, kind of smokescreen with these other figures where she can hang around, um, still stay in the fight, but it's your opponent doesn't want to uh, prioritize her as a target. So it was, yeah, it was quite the puzzle. That's awesome. And uh, Jeremy, did you say you are you running Slippery Target? One copy of Slippery Target? I am not. No. Okay, that's interesting because that's a card that I've thought about a lot for Leia, especially versus Spectre. Is the ability? So what Slippery Target does if you're a smuggler or a spy is when an enemy figure enters a space adjacent to you, you can perform a move. So it's it's not amazing versus Vader, right? Because Vader's just going to parting blow you. But again, Spectre, it's awesome to be able to. You know, if they're going in for their Spectre double tap or something like that, to be able to get five spaces away, defeating their attack most of the time, 
is can be some pretty serious money. But obviously, that's something we'll have to test as we're going into Worlds. Yeah, and just to wrap up our match, I think the big finale was um, uh, Jeremy had been working down my Kanan to where he only had a few health left. Um, I had thrown Chopper out there to body block for Kanan to prevent a Han end of round shot, which probably would have finished Kanan off. Um, the following round, Han had to move in close uh, to get past Chopper to take the shot at Kanan and finish him off. I think that's when I was, he, he did take the shot at Kanan, defeated the figure. That's when I was able to play Dying Lunge um, to get Han, uh, to, to put enough damage on Han to defeat him. Uh, but Jeremy was holding on the lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to give him uh, due credit. He was a uh, he was an honest gentleman about the situation because I I was he had me hook line and sinker. I saw on the lamb and I thought, oh man, he's got me here. Um, but he came back and pointed out the fact that this attack was taking place during Han's activation. Han's the one who shot oh, at Kanan. That's right. Kanan came back to dying lunge. When Han plays on the lamb, those are just movement points in the pool. Yep. Uh, and doesn't actually help him get away. That's so. a great point. We we had talked about that, and that's something that we talked about a few months ago with, like, somewhere on the rules chat, and that is correct. And right. Something, that is a, a, an interesting interaction that people need to be aware of, is if you play on the lamb during your activation, and there's a lot of scenarios in which that can happen. Like Greedo, I think, is actually the one that we think about yeah. is, is where it's going to happen a lot. Greedo's going to declare an attack. Someone's going to ace him mm-hmm. uh, before they get a shoot, and then he's going to try and play on the lamb. You cannot do that. So, right. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good good thing to be aware of. Yeah, and that was that was kind of the end of our round two match there. There you, there you go. So Ryan got a taste of the explosive lover's box or whatever he's calling it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, let's uh, go on to round three. Ryan? Uh, sure. So uh, round three, I got to play against um, uh, another one of the Slack members, uh, Joe Jesus. Um, uh, I think that's what his name is on the Slack. Uh, he's a great player. I played him at Nationals uh, this past year with my Riot Swarm list. He's a big lover of uh, Scum Hunters. And uh, to his credit, I have to give Joe a shout out. Um, he is one of the best players uh with vinto that that i've that i've ever come across um vinto is a a high skill figure to use very difficult especially in um the current state of the game but uh joe has yeah always impressed me with his ability to really get maximum value out of vinto um Granted, he he needs a lot of help. Uh, in Joe's scum list, he's running nine activations. Um, so it's I might not get the entire list right, but I know he's got weak ways. It's Onar Vinto Greedo. Uh, there's an E Jawa in there. I think he's running the regular Claudite. Uh, and then I believe it's like three PO R two, and maybe there's one more R jaw. I can't remember how the points shake out, but, um, what he'll do is use that Claudite, uh, with the Senator form. He'll conspire, try to get some surge tokens onto Vinto, um, get a focus out there on Vinto. Yeah. I think he's I'm sure he's got Gideon in that list too. So 
he really kind of juices Vinto up before he throws him in the fight, and that's what you really need to do with him because you've you got to make sure that Vinto can add some extra surges to his attack roll. Um, to kind of like he needs the high train to get rolling. That's right. He, you can't. I mean, if he attacks and flubs and isn't able to deal damage and hide, you've just wasted an attack to become hidden or do like three damage. That's, that's right. Yeah. So uh, having played him at nationals, and then we played a lot on Vassal um, leading up to this regional season. I, I was, I knew, I knew Joe is, uh, he's a great player, and I really had to watch out for his Vinto. Um, round three, we were playing on most Eisley, uh the uh, pick up and deliver crates mission, um, and, and Joe was running devious scheme as well. So it meant I was starting with initiative. I believe he put me on the. Uh, the desert deployment zone. And this game was kind of interesting. Um, something that I had been really kind of, uh, thinking about and testing leading up to the regional, as far as like, where are the weaknesses with specter cell? And I really think they're one of the weakest moments of the game for specter cell is when, uh, specter cell player has initiative. We've hit the end of the round Spectre's losing initiative and it's going to the other player and that other player is probably getting last activation going into the next round. They're also getting first activation. Um, if you're playing against Vader or Han, they're going to get an end of a round attack in there as well. Um, depending on the opponent's list, you know, you might see the call the Vanguard. If it's IG, IG might drop Blaze of Glory on you at the end of the round. That's the big weak point that I see of where um, a good opponent could really jump in and and start launching some attacks at Spectre. Uh, so because of that, I have kind of adjusted my play style where I try to protect myself against that situation. So if I start with initiative, I know he's got plenty of activations. I'm just going to kind of hang back and and not expose myself too terribly much. I think in round one, I had Ezra uh, pick up one crate and I had Zeb pick up another crate um, on this mission. And especially with this pick pick up and deliver crates, I if I'm starting with initiative, I want to bide my time a little bit, wait until um, that sort of dangerous initiative swing has passed. So I'm not afraid to have Ezra grab a crate in round one and and bring him back to score it with all the extra movement from brash and from motivation and chopper. If I need it, Ezra's zipping around the map enough that he can score that crate and then still be back in the fight by round two. Yeah. Because um, with uh, Zeb and Zeb's motivation and what's it called a specter cell, right? Like you, right. that's, that's seven free movement that spec or that Ezra has got in between yeah. his like start around stuff. So that's kind of my plan going into um, this mission. And that's that's mostly what I did. I had Ezra and Zeb grabbing crates. Um, Ezra scored one crate uh, on my deployment zone, came back out into the fight near um, near Joe's terminal. Um, and we were we were making trades. But uh, I think the theme of this one was just that the, the, the trades were going in my favor most of the time. Um, he was able to remove Zeb, but I still had Kanan and Ezra together um, positioned by his terminal going into the last round. And um, yeah, with the two of them, they were not really in 
uh, kill range. They were both still pretty healthy. I was able to just kind of move in. Um, I think I was still holding celebration. So I was able to dive in and get Gideon and, and throw celebration on it, uh, for, for my last points in that one. So it was a good game. Um, but just felt like one of those games where the specter math just kind of bonks you over the head. Just beat him with math. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, there we go. Awesome. Uh, Jeremy, you're round three? Yeah, so uh, so like uh, Ryan said, this was on uh, Moss Eisley, uh, pick up the crates and uh, and deliver them. Uh, this was a heartbreaker of a match, uh, so I go up early. Uh, I kill his uh, his Ezra. It's against uh, Spectre. Um, a guy named uh, Brandon was, uh, was running it. And um, he brashes Ezra in, uh, goes for the uh, the pummel on Leia. She dodges one of them, and then uh, he's only able to get four with the the next attack. And so, uh, so Ezra's sitting there um, exposed. Uh, I take out Ezra without him doing a whole lot. Um, during the middle rounds, we just trade a whole bunch. Uh, so I get Kanan and Sabine. He ends up uh, clearing out my support, uh, R2, Gideon, MHD, Dracotta, and 3PO. And um, so it set up a really dramatic end. Um, so in the the last round, um, I do a bunch of damage to Zeb, get him to up to um, I think uh, twelve uh, damage setting on him. And uh, and Leia's holding a crate, and so I'm ahead by just a little bit. If um, if Leia scores the crate um, and time gets called, then um, then I'm ahead, uh, even if Leia dies, and. Um, and then my second path to victory was Han killing uh, Zeb with the end around shot, and um, so there was a really uh, cinematic, dramatic moment where you know I'm moving Leia as fast as I can to uh, to score the crate, and uh, you know she's taking you know the both Zeb attacks and then uh, the Spectre cell tap to uh, you know just pour all kinds of attacks in her, um, and she dodges three times in a row. Um, but if it, uh, Brandon eventually gets her and, um, and so she doesn't get to score the crate and, um, for Han's end around shot, he, he triple blocks and, uh, Han can't push Han was unfocused. So could not push through the damage. So, um, kind of a heartbreaker. Uh, if we had one more round, um, you know, Han had no damage on him. I was holding on the lamb. So, uh, he would have, he would have cleaned up against a wounded Zeb and, uh, Hera and chopper. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't meant to be. Oh dang, that is a heartbreaker. Um, so at this point, Ryan is three and zero. Jeremy is one and two, and we are on to round four. Yep. That's right. Uh, so my round four, I got to play against the only Imperial list um, at the regional all day. This was uh, being piloted by Blade, another slacker. Um, he had a great list. He was running Vader, Thrawn, and the ATDP, uh, which is is a really fun list. I like. I like what he's working with there, and I think he's really good with it. He knows what he's doing. Um, round four, we were playing on most Eisley on the uh, uh, control points mission. And I believe I started with initiative here. I was on the uh, interior deployment zone. He was starting off in the desert side. Um, and we kind of had a, a slow round one, slowly kind of creeping out. Um, he was moving, it looked like moving most of his squad towards his terminal door uh, that opens up into the cantina uh, sort of room past his terminal. Um, so we're kind of, you know, posturing. I'm, I'm staying uh, 
back in, in the protected area outside of my deployment zone, um, setting up Hera there. Uh, I think I was able to, he eventually opened his door and started bumping the ATDP out. I think I was able to take a shot with like Zeb at the ATDP. Um, I think I had bumped Sabine up enough where she could, um, fly across the middle, cut the corner on that blocking terrain. And I think throw a grenade and uh, throw a parting gift and take a shot and then bounce back behind the blocking terrain. So I was able to get a couple attacks in at the DP um, in round one. And uh, this this game had an interesting moment um, uh, here. So end of the round, I decide to play a little greedy with my Ezra. Um, I didn't have a super strong uh, play, for, play with him at that time, so I decided to just move Ezra out into the middle of the map and put him in between the two uh, crates in that middle hallway um, where if, if no one else comes over there, I'm going to get four points off of him. Um, at this point, Blade had only opened his terminal side door, not the door to the middle hallway. And from what activations he had left, I, it didn't look like he was going to be able to get up to the uh, middle hallway door. So we just had terminal side open. So I figured it was a little risky, but but um, kind of wanted to see what would happen. So I threw Ezra out in the middle. His final activation, he brings Vader out. Vader comes past his terminal, um, goes after Ezra uh, in the middle. So he's got to come around and then towards that middle hallway. Um, and it was an interesting, he, he had just the right stuff. So Vader comes out and does a force choke, uh, puts two damage on Ezra. Then he plays force surge, move up one and is adjacent to Ezra and now puts two more damage on him. Um, we go into the end of the round and uh, Ezra's only got six health left. Vader does his end of the round attack, uh, two red dice and gets him wow he, wipes, he, he like what he's he he takes the risk instead of just going for the i guess if I, you're if you're just doing force chokes then you can pummel and then just get away or something so yeah so yeah i, I looked at the math because i was kind of curious afterwards on that attack so vader's end of round two red dice with the plus one damage against ezra's two blocks and a white dice um it's a I think it's a 5% shot to deal six damage to Ezra in that situation. That's before the reroll. So, oh, wow. Um, I didn't have Kanan close enough to get an e uh, a reroll on Ezra, and I think I blanked uh, my white dice, and I didn't have on the lamb. So I lost Ezra right there. Um, and I think this is an interesting um, anecdote or an interesting situation to kind of look at with Spectre in this kind of matchup um, where I would say this is kind of best case scenario for the Vader player. Um, he's managed to remove Ezra before Ezra has done anything. Ezra has not made an attack. Um, I would say Ezra is my premier Pierce three attacker in the list. Um, and I need all the Pierce help I can get trying to take down Vader and ATDP. Right. Um, so this is, yeah, this is looking like Vader's doing pretty well. Ezra's gone. 
Um, I've lost one of my lightsabers. Uh, so the match goes on and I'm able to put some more damage into the DP, um, take it out. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember here. I think he is able to get Zeb. Um, but we're the whole, the whole mission, the whole battle takes place in that one cantina room. Everybody's clumping up. I'm sending my guys in. Um, he's got Vader right there. We're making trades back and forth. Um, and basically we come down to the last round where I think I've got, uh, Vader's I've, I've hit him once or twice and taken away about half of his health. Um, the initiative is coming to me and it's one of these situations where if blade has take initiative and can activate first, uh, his Vader will probably be able to kill my Kanan. Uh, in which case I may not have enough attacks left to take out Vader with just, I think at that point it would have been Sabine and Hera who can still, still make attacks, but not quite like Kanan. Um, so it was one of those moments where it was like, Ooh, if he's got take initiative right here, this could be the game. Um, unfortunately he, for him, he did not. Uh, I was able to activate and get a Sabine and Kanan combo with Spectre Cell and take Vader out there. And that was more or less it. But it's an interest. I thought it was an interesting situation because, especially before the Lothal wave, a list like this, Vader and the ATDP, the, uh, the interesting thing, the hallmark of a list like that is that you could say, well, they can't kill both of them, right? With Vader and the ATDP, um, the great thing about this list is that if they burn down one figure, I've still got the other one. They put everything into killing Vader, and I've still got the ATDP taking two shots around, or vice versa. Um, and I think to a large extent that's still true with most other lists, that by the time they remove one of those figures, they're probably running out of gas to finish off the second one. However, with Spectre Cell... Turns out it, Spectre's got a lot of gas to go with. It, it just doesn't run out. I lose Ezra round one without him making an attack, and I'm still able to remove the ATDP and Vader with what I had left, you know? Man, that is crazy. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just how it goes, I suppose. Yeah. Um, do you think that there is anything that Blade could have done in order to... I mean, obviously, besides having... If he has take, we're in a different situation. But do you think there's anything he could have done that would have changed it? Or did you just beat him with the math again? I think he... I mean, he played it really well. Um, you know, running the ATDP is always a little tricky in trying to maximize your movement and your pushes and all those sorts of things. Um, but he knew what he was doing with the list. He played Thrawn really well. Um, he threw Thrawn out in the middle that uh, looked like it was going to be a fairly sketchy um, spot for Thrawn to be in. But before I could capitalize and move in and get Thrawn, he had bumped uh, one of his officers up to basically body block, um, which prevented me from getting... He had Vader and Thrawn. He had his own little Imperial defensive box going out there. Um, and so he used good positioning to keep Thrawn alive for another round, um, which was... Yeah, he had some great plays. 
like I said, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what more he really could have done. I think he got a parting blow off in there. Um, yeah, it's just one of those matchups where it's like, oh, this doesn't look great for, for Vader. <laughs> just, just the math. Just the math. Yeah. Awesome. And so that's, that was basically it for round four. Awesome. Uh, and, sorry. Blade was a great, uh, Blade played a great game though. Yeah, of course. Brett Blade is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And he, he was defending his territory, Ryan. That's defending right. His territory with the empire. He, he definitely, um, you know, had his, he, he's the one who kept his integrity at the end of the day. That's you right. know, that's he could go home, he could go home with his held head high, uh, his yeah. head held high. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Awesome. All right, Jeremy, you want to give us a quick uh, summary of your round four? Uh, sure. So uh, fourth Spectre matchup in a row um, for me. So he had uh, initiative. He took the outside. Um, I had a really fun opening hand. So with uh, R2's uh, Scomp, uh, I started with um, Heart of Freedom, uh, Negation to guarantee the uh, the initiative swing my way, um, and Arcing Shot. So between um, uh, Heart of Freedom and Arcing Shot, uh, he had, I think, made a, a bit of a tactical mistake. He opened up his bottom door. Um, that kind of leads into the cantina area. So I was able to double move on the opening round, both Han and, um, and Drogata, um, and between Heart of Freedom for, uh, Han and, uh, Arcing Shot for, for Drogata, um, I was able to get an end of round shot, uh, into Sabine. He had kind of, uh, around his terminal, he had Sabine, Hera, and Chopper kind of bunched up. And, um, so I was able to get a Han focused end of round shot on, uh, Sabine, and then Dracotta started the round with a uh, just a massive arcing shot um, around the corner. And uh, so by the time that the fighting really started, um, both Sabine, uh, Hera, and Chopper were all, all dead, which felt really, really satisfying. Um, didn't have to worry about strength in numbers the rest of the game. Uh, didn't have to worry about uh, rebel graffiti or any uh, you know parting gifts. Um, so that felt uh, very satisfying to start the round uh, after... Uh, suffering through four matches of Spectre straight. Um, I made it a little harder on myself um, kind of in the mid-rounds. I parked Han in the middle um, in uh, in round three to just pick up some of the, the crates, um, you know, those four points, holding uh, Stealth Tactics. And uh, he brings uh, Kanan down to uh, to take some swipes at Han. And, um, and between uh, Kanan's attack and then I think uh, he got the Zeb... Uh, uh, he had Zeb there for the uh, the Spectre Cell tap. Um, with on the Stealth Tactics roll, uh, Han rolls a blank one block. Um, so Han goes down um, right there uh, in a in a single activation to their two attacks, which was really really disheartening. So the final score was a little closer than uh, it probably should have been. It was a uh, I, I won thirty seven thirty four, um, but uh, but yeah, if uh, my white dice were a little a uh, little warmer there, it would have uh, I, I would have had a comfortable lead. <laughs> 